This is Tomorrow's Bite Podcast, the podcast where Andres and I are diving with stunning guests into their story, challenges and opportunities, all backed by food, allowing us all to get inspired, get more knowledge and grow. And today we talk about changing consumer behavior is the most difficult and also expensive stuff you can do. So to give a tip to startups in general, I believe that that is an, an important point that a lot of times is missed. Why is no one opting this? During the product development, you can face a lot of challenges. And can you take us a bit on the challenges that you face, for instance, with the meat alternatives? Biggest challenge in product development in meat alternatives is... This conversation with Dennis gave insights into the product development in the plant-based section and its challenges, as well as where do companies need to focus on to stand out in the market. We delve into his journey as an entrepreneur and his advice to follow once in the field. A true insightful conversation with a honest and open guest that has the wisdom in product development that needs to be shared. So without further ado, I am Andres Antondura and I am Shaka van Kool and this is Tomorrow's Bites. So welcome Dennis to our podcast and in our podcast Dennis, we always start by discussing something relatable. It's clear that our earlier years, especially our youth, uh, play a big role in how we act and how we think today. Can you take us back to who you are and how your childhood shaped the person you are today? Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, I um, grew up in uh, a small city called Gorkum. Uh I grew up in a warm family um, with two brothers and uh, pretty hardworking parents who uh, uh, served dishes mostly based on products of knorr and honig. Uh, where you just have to add some ingredients and you have a meal. Very typical, I think, for uh, how Dutch families cooked in that time, like uh, end of 80s uh, and in the 90s of the last century. Uh, But not very gastronomic, right? So uh, it's fair to say that I did not cultivate my passion for food at home. Um, But as a youngster... I started working in restaurants, uh, restaurant kitchens uh, specifically, where I realized how food sparks creativity and experimenting with flavors and textures to create tasty food. So I really enjoyed cooking for work, uh, but I did not fancy a career in restaurants. So I decided to study food innovation in Boss. Uh, where I could combine food science and design and cooking in one go to aim for becoming a food developer. When you reach this moment of becoming a food product developer and looking into career and everything, what would you say that is your mission or your intention uh, in your career right now? Well, at that moment, my I was just curious. So it was basically curiosity on how food works and how foods uh, c- 
combinations work and how you can create really tasty stuff. So that was basically how it started because I had a passion for cooking and for, for food, but I also had a more commercial interest and, uh, uh, and also more in how it works. So more the science part of behind it. So I could combine that in there. But at that moment, I think it was like it was, I studied there in 2003 till 2007 um food sustainability was not a big issue yet like not at all uh, so that was that, that came later and can you share a specific moment or experience that changed your path and led you to the position that you are currently uh, so uh, after four years i graduated and i started working in food and tech consultancy in wageningen uh, i started working on new product developments and after a few years, I encountered uh, a group of people called the Youth Food Movement. Now they call it the Slow Food Youth Network. Um, and this was a group of young and curious food professionals. And that really fueled my belief that food plays a much bigger role uh, in a lot of issues we are facing. And, uh, and that it can also play a big role in the solution part of that. So uh, I joined the academy of this group that this group organizes yearly. and. When I look back at it now, at least, I see that this really has shaped my path. Uh, because after nine years in Wageningen, I decided to start my own business, combining um, the, my vision, which was cultivated at the youth food movement, uh, together with my competences in new product development that I learned in Wageningen. And, uh, and that's what brought me on the path where I now, with the vision that I still uh, uh, follow, which is that we should reshape the way we eat by eating more plants and less animals and that we need tasty and nutritious alternative food products for this. So that's what I do on a daily basis. Could you expand a little bit? Why do you think that we should uh, start eating more plant-based, reduce our animal consumption? Where where all this comes from for you? I think that um, the way how we keep animals and uh, produce them as feedstock for ourselves as humans is something that's not only from an ethical point of view is not okay uh, but also it's destroying our planets already now and if we continue to grow as uh, the amount of people on the planet and we continue to eat like we do now we will completely destroy it uh, for the future generations uh, i have two kids uh, so I'm also worried about what we are leaving behind for the next generation. And uh, I think that um, you could have a discussion about if eating meat is something that we should do entirely or not. But I at least I'm confident that most people are uh, um, believe that it's better to at least eat less meats and less animals and eat more plants. Uh, that that is already a good idea uh, not depending on how much more and how much less but at least this movement is something that a lot of people are sharing this opinion or this uh, vision with and uh, uh, and i would like to yeah use my competences and my experience and knowledge and network to 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 speed up this uh, transition if that a lot of times when it comes to touching the meat as part of the diet or like you know like when people say you you have to eat more plant based and and 
the average consumer or a consumer that is actually not, well, that, that is not so conscious or so aware of the current situation, like the reaction can be like, oh, but we need meat as well. We grew also, we developed ourselves eating meat. And I understand that we are omnivore, uh, we are animals, you know, so uh, we are omnivore animals. Uh, but it's, I think that the thing is that the the amount of meat that we ate or, or that we have been eating, all the far, it's been imbalanced in this om- omnivore diet, no? Like, uh, like so maybe uh, we were going more to... I, I I say percentages, but they they're not representative. But maybe sixty percent, seventy percent, it was meat or things coming from meat. Thirty percent, we focus on plant, on plant based diet. And what actually uh, people like you, Dennis, I believe, and uh, other uh, uh, people that embraces this mission, a lot of times it's not. It's like we don't we're not interested in erasing meat as part of the diet. Uh, uh, for everybody, uh, that can be a personal choice. We just want balance that actually uh, is also resonating with what the planet needs. No, the, and, and I believe that that is an, an important point that a lot of times is missed uh, for for the people that that gets a little uh, hectic when people mention about eating less animals. Yeah, so people can react very emotional when you touch the meat, right? So that's something. But I think you're right when you say, okay, we're out of balance. I mean, our grandparents' uh, parents have been eating way less meat than we do now, right? So it's something that has been growing in the last two or three generations. And that, uh, and uh, and it's not that we have always been eating that meat. That's something from the last time. So, right? So, um so I, I would say, yeah, it's, it should be more in balance and we should cut meat back at least uh, and eat more plants. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to eat more veggie burgers, right? It's just eat more plants, right? So this can be all types of vegetables. This can be legumes. This can be uh, uh, grains, seeds, pulses. I don't know. I mean, um, at lo- as long as it's nutritious and uh, it's... Um, uh, not causing uh, large-scale deforestation and uh, CO2 emissions and stuff like that. So I think uh, that should be the goal. But to cut it back, I mean, to just to be transparent, we need to cut it back a lot, right? So it's not just, okay, maybe we can cut it back 10%. No, no, we need to cut it back really a lot to to be to able to, to make it impactful because we know, also know that there are large... Uh, areas in the world where there's no cutting back going on anytime soon, right? So these are uh, emerging countries where they uh, and they will they will the, the meat consumption is on the rise there, right? So um, and, but in total as a whole planet we need to cut it back. So we need to cut it back more than other places um, uh, in order to uh, m- make a difference. You had before a secure job at a well company, as you explained, um, which typically brings a sense of stability, right? In this, like, economical-wise, probably, and also besides that. Um, however, to start your own business in the food industry comes a lot with challenges that, yeah, everyone is facing as an entrepreneur. What inspired you eventually and gave you the confidence to pursue an entrepreneurship in a specific field? And I... Uh, in 2016, when I uh, quit my job, uh, I did that uh, after already quite maybe already two or three years 
uh, doubting about this step because um, I also it was not an ideal time for me. I just got become a parent at that moment. So uh, you are also uh, stability is something that you would like in this situation, right? Um, but uh, I kind of grew tired of my own reason reasoning why not to do it. Right, so because you can endlessly say, okay, this is not a good idea because this is not a good idea because, but when you start to say, okay, but it is a good idea because that's way harder. And so after a couple of years, I came to this point that I could no longer convince myself that it was a bad idea. And uh, I know that the, the specific moment because I was already kind of moving away from the company in Wageningen, and uh, uh, so I had. I was on the in my car on the way back home from uh, uh, a job interview, and it was already the third interview. Right, we were close to signing, uh, but um, they asked me a question like in the last interview, and they said, "Okay, I, I already was doing something like um, uh, entrepreneurial stuff with some friends. We had our own company, and I just kept on raging about this to this company, right? I was just, I was really enthusiastic about that. And they said, okay, just one thing. If you're, you keep telling us about that. And when you tell about it, you, you shine, you, you're, you're enthusiastic. It's, it's just, it's everywhere. Why are you not pursuing that? And I didn't have a good answer to that. Uh, so I, I was in my car back and I decided not to took on that job. Uh, uh, and uh, I, at that moment decided to go, uh, to the Chamber of Commerce and, um, and and sign in for her own job. And how was the process of developing and launching your first company? Can you share us a little? Yeah. So I had in uh, my role in Wageningen, I had pretty much uh, outgoing role. I was the last three years, I was creative director of the company and responsible for a lot of the the uh, the, the, the clients' conversations and outside of the company. So um uh, I kind of expect, expected that when I was starting up my own business and I was, wanted to help other people with innovation with, from my business, that the clients will come because I was, uh, they already know me and, uh, and uh, nothing like that happens. It was completely radio silence. So I needed to fall back on my, uh, like a network that was not uh, based on what I had in Wageningen. Uh, maybe my former uh, employee just called all the clients and said, you cannot work with them or something like that. Um, um, uh, but luckily, I had followed this youth food movement and I had come uh, friends from there who were also like their own bosses already. And the, the, the companies that they started up became my first clients. So, um, um, so actually, also this step up to becoming an entrepreneur was, all, uh, you know, from hindsight, that was also like really uh, essential that I had this network of of young professionals that wanted to make a difference and where you can align with the mission and the vision that you're having. So they they, they became my own my first clients, and yeah, then from them, um, uh, at st at the start, I was quite broad with. The, the 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 product development things that I did it was not entirely plant based yet it it was um, uh, still uh, or already on the same mission but I did a project for example on hybrid products which I would not do now but I did it then um, um, because it was also moving into the right direction I believe but it was also something that I said yeah 
but maybe um, uh, still it's not so not the the the, the work that I want to do right now. But at that moment, I did. Uh, but when you start working on plant based, um, this is something that uh, um, you will become an expert really quickly when there's a demand for expertise. So uh, in 2016, plant based was not a big thing yet, right? So it was, or at least you had like the vegetarian butcher, it was already there for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, you had Fales, uh, Vivera had some products, but for example, Beyond Meat was not there yet. Um, uh, Vegetarische Slager, Vegetarian Butcher, was not from Unilever yet. So it was not like the big players were not there. It was still small playing, right? So, uh, um, um, but there was a growing awareness for it, for this, that we needed to do something with it. So uh, a lot of people wanting something with it, but a lot of people also not knowing how. So uh, that's the moment that I could work on my expertise on this because I, um, um, then you did do one or two projects specifically on, on meat replacers, for example, and then other companies start asking you as well. And then you can kind of grow in it as well. Um, and uh, at a certain point, I decided, okay, um, I want to only work on this any, uh, uh, and no longer doing anything with dairy. I don't want to do stuff with hybrid products. I, think, but I just want to do plant-based. Um, and, um, and because there's so much to do there. And I also believe in the power of choosing your niche from a business point of view. Uh, so that's the moment that I decided, okay, just go plant-based. With your expertise in the product development and uh, with your company as well as the Yovara, um, how does this process goes of getting projects and how, how diverse are these projects? be very diverse but can also be something that's really close to each other so that can both be challenging right so um, when products development uh, projects are really close to each other then you need to be aware that your uh, your integrity is right that you, you I mean you cannot sell the same stuff to, to competitors right so you need to be uh, that's sometimes a thin line um, which you need to give uh, give thought on how you how you're going to deal with that but also the versatility of of, of of the projects is also challenging because you cannot be expert in everything right so um, plant-based bakery products is something completely different than plant-based dairy or plant-based meat or vegetable based products so you need to have a broad experience and you cannot be the, like the expert in all of them uh, luckily there is also a lot of uh, uh, there's some common ground in between, which is like the plant-based toolbox of all the ingredients and and technologies that you can use. Um, um, so luckily, there's also a lot of uh, overlap in that. I'm, I'm curious, do you ever have to reject projects because they are quite identical to things that you're already doing? I had it once. I also had it once that I decided not to reject it uh, and take the gas. I had two clients and they basically asked me the same thing in the same period for in the same shelf of the same supermarket uh, which is difficult of course right so uh, um, because you want to make the best for both of them um, and, um, and when you choose the best is the other thing then also the best right so um, um, that that can be challenging I decided to do them both but only because I talked to both clients and uh told them the situation and just told okay i think i 
I think it's doable. They also knew each other, right? So I think it's doable, but I want it that you guys know this because I don't want to have any fuzz about about it later, right? So, um, and it, it turned out fine. Both both products got introduced, <laughs> uh, and um, um, and they were different because the client also have their own toolbox or their own idea of how what a what a product should be. So one client would say, okay, I think it's really important if there's seaweed in there or it's based on peas or that it has a low uh, fat, high protein something. And, and the other client has a different kind of wish list. So the end product will also be different. But what I will do when may, maybe normally I would tell them what they should use as ingredients. And maybe in this case, I would more ask them <laughs> uh, because then they cannot never say that I advise them the same thing or differently right so you approach it a bit different hey i have a, a quick question as well uh the the other like the previous uh podcast episode that we recorded was actually with uh, a, a woman that is working on creating a plant-based algae-based uh, ingredients no uh, also for several foods and and something that comes to my mind is uh, to ask you as a probably a user of ingredients like this that they come up to the market how is the in your vision the last landscape is uh, a lot of people doing the kind of the same things all the time or there's a lot of diversity in the in the kind of ingredients that are being uh, released in the market for the plant-based options there's a lot of the same stuff mostly um, also because um, uh, an ingredient suppliers are also all fishing in the same pond, right? So um, l this year, I think I got called by at least six microalgae companies. Uh, and I didn't, was not called the year before by any of them, right? So it's not a coincidence. They're all onto something. They, 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 they got an opportunity to go into markets and then they say, oh, but we don't know what we should do with the product then. Well, what kind of product should we make with it? Uh, and then they ask us, right? So, uh, but they all have quite similar products. Of course, there's differences, right? Because the the downstream processing part is most of the times a bit different. So the 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 functionality or color or flavor profile would be a bit different. But they're aiming for the same markets uh, with with ingredients with the same background, and they have the same issues mostly. So if you talk about algaes, like microalgaes have common issues of basically color is one of them um and seaweeds have their have their own as well the macro uh, algae have their own issues um taste is the most important one um and and also uh ionide levels is a big one and so you have like this issues that not only one seaweed producer has but they all have that um and um and we just want to help them with uh, in understanding how their ingredients uh, performs in applications. Because uh, if you're talking about an ingredient or about a technology, I mean, a technology is just a piece of equipment. It's just a piece of metal. And an ingredient is both mostly just a powder, right? Uh, um, uh, it has no value unless it's in an application. Uh, so it's it's super important that you understand the application part very well. And that's often not the case with ingredient suppliers. There are really uh, products first, product push uh, or, uh, uh, oriented, 
and not so much about, okay, how is this working and really understanding how it's working benchmarked by other already available ingredients, not only on functionality, but also on price, on uh, uh, availability. And uh, understanding this very well is something uh, uh, a lot of producers of these ingredients need to step up their game. I was wondering, like during the product development, you can face a lot of challenges. And can you take us a bit on the challenges that you face, for instance, with the meat alternatives that you created? Meat alternatives markets really grew under the the strategy of mimicking meats. So um, because um, changing consumer behavior is the most difficult and also expensive stuff you can do. So, so the, the, the bigger the adjustment that you ask from a client, the more complex it is. So what the industry did successfully is changing or, or, or making the requirements for adjustments from the consumers as small as possible. So creating something that's close to what they're already eating or as close as you can get. Um, and by that, making the, the step towards more plant-based or an alternative diet uh, easier. Uh, so that's what they did. But uh, to be able to do that, uh, also taking into account that it needs a certain price range, they also made concessions. And these concessions were based on like clean labelness, healthiness, uh, taste. And uh, we're now at a point in the market where... Uh, what they did until now is not good enough for tomorrow. So um, uh, I think the biggest challenge in product development in meat alternatives is making it stick in the shelves because getting it in there, I mean, it's it's, it's an all different complexity, but as as soon as you're in there, people need to buy it. And and, and, um, why is it not selling? And um, uh, I, my my opinion, it's most that the product is not good enough for, by flavor. It's 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 so it was so oriented that it needs to look like meat that it's that, that they forgot about it to taste good, and um, uh, and then at the end it's not selling. And then products that are not selling in a shelf are not helping anything in the transition, right? Um, people need to eat it and need to let go of actual meat in order to take it uh, into impact. I am uh, currently reading this book that is called Next Generation Plant-Based Foods from, uh, I think it's Julian McClement, and I don't remember now the the other author, uh, which I believe is uh, quite a nice book that explains how the technology behind uh, the the plant-based foods. And I was actually reading this chapter about protein and there was like this challenge. I mean, it's, it's curious that I never thought about it thinking, thinking that I am a biochemist, but uh, uh, there was this challenge about the protein uh, that that was that in when we talk about proteins, seems that we are talking about the same thing, no? like all the proteins are the same, but actually proteins are really different. It's not the same amino acids that the ones that you will find in actin, that the ones that you will find uh, in yeah another protein that does another thing into the plant. So uh, I, I was curious, maybe it does not have a big impact, but how does this heterogeneity can affect uh, uh, the end products when you're developing a new product? Or, or, or is it a problem that is actually currently quite controlled? No, I think there's um, 
from a functional point of view, there's also a lot of differences, right? So you have flavor, but you also have how it fun- plays the role, the function that you need it to play in products. So for example, we're now working on plant-based cheese. And if you want to have proteins in there, you need to understand how these proteins work. And they're not working the same as caseinates, which is in the, the basic the building block of cheese. Um, um, so you need to understand how these proteins work. And you need to test a lot of different proteins to understand how, uh, how they function. Um, but from a nutritional point of view, I think it's an overstretched uh, discussion because uh, people eat protein all over the day in the breakfast, in their lunch, because there's a lot of protein in bread, for example. Not so much per 100 gram, but we eat a lot of bread in the Netherlands, right? So in total, you'll have quite a lot of proteins. Um, and there's protein in your pasta, there's protein in your vegetables, there's protein in basically almost everything you eat. Um, so uh, all these diff- all these proteins that you eat the whole day, if you eat varied, which is, I think, important, you have a, 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 a lot of different sources that you eat on a day, um, you will have all the amino acids that you need, regardless if you eat meat or dairy or not. That you will have, but for some reason, we are focusing on amino acids uh, uh, combinations within one product. And I don't think that makes sense because we're not eating one product. Um, uh, We are eating proteins from all the different sources. So from a nutritional point of view, I would say, okay, let's not focus too much on the amino acids from a nutritional point of view. Um, uh, From a functional level, yeah, it's really important (laughs) uh, to understand the proteins and the, 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 the structures and their functionalities. Thing that I was also really curious, I also read it in uh, because you were talking about functionality uh, and it was addressed in the book. It was the fact that it seems like a, a lot of uh, companies, or, or there are several companies at least, that they try to look for the most pure protein. But a lot of times, actually, uh, there is protein that is less pure because you have carbohydrates, because you have uh, uh, lipids that works much better than the uh, only the protein. Because actually, in some way, you uh, uh, for you can tackle the functionality of certain things that are lacking in the protein with with, with this combination. And I, I believe that that was a, an, interesting, a, an interesting fact as well. Moving into, again, uh, looking into uh, your ventures and what you have settled, uh, setting three companies so far targeting the plant-based movement is amazing and even... With every one company already, you would have already <laughs> supported quite much uh, for the transition. Can you take us some, with some of the biggest challenges that you have faced with each company? I think the biggest challenge is in the combination of the three, which you already say it's quite challenging. And it's, uh, I think um, uh, the biggest challenge is, okay, how can you combine these different companies and make them thrive uh, without losing focus on the things that are important? Uh, which uh, I ended up realizing that it's almost impossible. Um, um, uh, also, because I also have a private life uh, with a family, and I think that's really important as well. Um, uh, so uh, combining these things is completely insane, actually. So um, uh, that's, I think, the biggest challenge that you have is, okay, I'm enthusiastic right i see all these opportunities and options and i want to 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 get moving and um um, but that's also a big uh can be a big problem if you 
uh, move on to all these different things and options and challenges. You need to also say no to things that are maybe really interesting, but just to make sure that the other ones that you do do and you really believe in and, and are invested in, that you can make that a success. So this is something I think uh, is the biggest learn that I've had in the last two years. Uh, and of course, I already already knew that, but you, there's a difference between knowing because maybe someone said it to you or you uh, have thought about it uh, or really experiencing it. Uh, there's a big difference in that. With your experience, and you gave already a takeaway about how companies that approach you well can think about more about their products itself, uh, the usable application-wise. What is another takeaway that, in your opinion, can companies implement directly uh, to improve well their outcome? So I would say um, number one, number two, and number three should be flavor. Uh, number four should be maybe pricing and uh, clean labelness and nutritionality. That kind of stuff is nice to have. And that's harder than I mean it. But I think we're, and also supermarkets are focusing too much on that it has the right protein level, that it has its clean label and there's no E numbers in there, uh, causing products to be suboptimal in flavor and in price and by that not selling and then we're creating these products that are really perfect on the back side of the packaging but no one's eating them uh, so i would say okay from a priority level let's put flavor not only in the first but on the first three places and then start thinking about the other parts looking again uh, into the plant-based movement uh, i think that right now uh, these days, at least, you can see a lot of uh, uh, movement in the social media and everything. That that it seems like it's a the industry that is facing trouble. Like uh, there are some little companies that are uh, going bankrupt. They're also, the uh, I think it was Beyond Meat that was losing quite some capital uh, as well. And the prediction for what it was supposed to be seems that, uh, that it seems it's not accomplishing uh, that thing that was uh, promised to become. How, how is your view on this? And what is your perspective on how uh, the future will look like? Also, uh, do you think that the problem is that we are putting the focus like in the wrong thing, that maybe it was like this whole meat alternatives and maybe the approach shall be different? No, I think it's. I, I think uh, the 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 what you sketch as the situation is actually really, really, really complex um, and and all intertwined. So uh, you see Beyond Meat losing money, and that causes other investors not to invest or not easily to invest in plant based, which causes that plant based uh, brands and producers cannot invest as much in uh, their marketing or their innovation, causing the market's revenues to slow down, causing the uh, investors to even more set back. And that's, I think that this is just two stakeholders like uh, reacting on each other, right? There's more stakeholders. There's stakeholders from supermarkets, there's stakeholders from, from uh, governments, from, uh, uh, so there's, uh, and the consumers, of course, 
So uh, it's really, really complex what's happening, but what you see is, is some kind of circle going round. Uh, also, I need to uh, underline that it's not only plant-based that's in trouble, it's much more, but somehow people want plant-based to fail in their eyes because it asks people to change their how they eat and people don't like that. Um, so um, I think that's, uh, for example, meat, uh, numbers of meat sales has been declining as well, right? So and uh, uh, so it's also what kind of numbers are we comparing and what do journalists want us to read? Uh, there's, I think, also a difference and who wants us to read it and why. Um, and so I think there's quite a complex situation causing like the rumors in the markets and they're not all based on actual consumer buying um, uh, products, yes or no. It's it's based on a lot of different things from a lot of different stakeholders' perspectives. I believe that one thing that a lot of times is not considered is the fact that there are like super big companies that have uh, a mark a, a plan based uh, section, and that normally can mean something. Like if Nestle, if Unilever, if PepsiCo, like if all of these are investing in plant-based, it's because they have data on, <laughs> on that the future probably is not so dark as uh, as uh, sometimes uh, now, nowadays they try to, to put it. Actually, I, I, I was checking now fast because I remember I, I read this, the, this post in, in LinkedIn that in 2022, there were like, 6,200 petitions of patenting new products and new ingredients uh, that were like like more than 200% more than in 2021. So it's like, actually, the market is, is nothing but growing and they are more investing in more in, in uh, R&D. But it's possible that the, in the end, it seems like from the the press or from certain sector of the population, they want to point out that this is going to fail, but that is not actually, I mean, if you look to the data, you, you, at least to the big picture, there's no reason to think that. No. And of course it is the case that uh, companies are struggling. uh, Right. So there's actually, there's some facts behind it, but not the, 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 how, the facts are pointed out is uh, there's also like uh, powerhouses that are thriving by others to fail, right? So that's without going into that and too too far. Uh, um, um, but yeah, I, I I totally believe that there's uh, there's also powers against what we're trying to do, right? That's that or at least slowing it down. It's not always trying to kill it, right? So for example, in the dairy. Uh, in the plant-based dairy section, you see that um, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, slowing down from uh, the actual dairy sector, trying to slow down plant-based dairy. And that's not trying to kill it. They, they say they do. They say, okay, it's stupid and we shouldn't name it milk and we should not uh, uh, make it in such a way it should contain protein. We, you can't take the same packaging. Right? They're just, it's just slowing down. Why are they slowing it down? Because they're big and they're slow. So they need time to, 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 to steer by and take control in this new market. And that's what you have seen. Like, so 
big dairy producers like Danone, they now are owner of Alpro and all this, this, this company. So they needed time to, to adjust to this new market, take in the power positions, and then they let go of all this, all this trouble, right? Uh, it's just slowing politics. And the, 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 I hate slowing politics because it's the, the complete opposite of innovation, which needs it. I mean, there's a necessity to innovate. that We need to change stuff because we're breaking down stuff, which we cannot possibly know if we can repair it, right? So uh, uh, just these tactics are just only for keeping the power that you already have uh, and making sure others don't. Now I really wonder, if there will be one chance to change the food system to a better version. How would you start and how would it look like? Mm. It's a really, really big question. Intentionally. <laughs> Changing, um, if there was, it can be impossible to change, right? So it's something that, I mean, the best, the easiest way would to change the end user because that will uh, throw everything around. So if the end user is just um, uh, there, there is a bacteria that causes you to 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 throw up every time you eat meat. Then uh, and everyone would have this, and there's like new COVID thing going on. But then uh, people cannot eat meat anymore. That would be like a really easy way of cutting back all the meat consumption, right? Um, um, that's a bit apocalyptic, maybe, maybe. But that's something that would work. But more on a on a level of what I believe we should be working on is, uh, and this is not just on food, but in general, I think there's so much black and white, right? So we have, uh, and and also there's a reason for that, right? You have um, uh, statements on the left side and on the left right side, but so often, almost always, always, it's in the middle somewhere, but we're just not seeing it because we're so busy with our own perspective and we're our own uh, position as stakeholders. So, um, uh, for example, we are producing uh, a lot of food in the Netherlands, right? So we have farmers who are producing food and this food goes all over the world and we also import food and that goes all over the world and we eat it here. Um, and now we are having this big discussions about farmers that needs to be bought out in the Netherlands. And I think... It's so, and, and, and the farmers say, no, we are really important. And, and, and it's, they're not actually thinking from a business point of view. I would say, I, I cannot understand why farmers are not coming with the following idea. And that's that they say, okay, um, um, we should have a second income line based on how we are uh, protecting the land that we're carrying. So if they are like uh, a stewards to a piece of land, and they can grow crops on it or keep animals on it. But they're not only in the, or, or dependent on the income which the crops or the ingredients get, but also they get like some subsidy from the government, which we all pay for because we all want to live in a pretty land with, for, with, with, with a, a clean climate. Um, uh, and they are measured every year with just uh, what's the biodiversity, what's the... Uh, the, 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 the soil uh, health and stuff like that and based on that they will have a second income they don't need to uh, intensify their production uh, and they can still live on the the, the 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 land on the lands that they are now living on i think why is no one opting this right uh, it's because it's in the middle and it's always left right uh one side other side and i think with 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 
foods in general, this is happening in a lot. So we have either the people who want to eat meat and the people who are not want to eat meat and they're not talking to each other. And why is there no middle grounds nowhere? Is that really interesting uh, idea? The one you're proposing, probably there will be there could be a discussion around it because I, I think that at least as as an idea, as a base of something, as a ground of something, uh, I believe that that, that, that yeah, that, well, why is nobody talking about this? No, <laughs> I'm just curious. I cannot believe that people are not talking about this already so i hope they do and i just don't know it because it's i mean it's not my expertise right this policies and and and, and the farmers talking to each other but um uh, i hope that they're talking about it like this because um, um that should be somewhere where we can find common ground right um i believe uh, dennis when in this podcast we always like to uh Give a space for the for a guest to share maybe some tips for for the audience. In this case, we believe that looking maybe you looking at your journey. What what tips would you give uh, to starting entrepreneurs? Maybe even entrepreneurs that uh, are focusing on on sustainability or in doing an impact. Yeah. So to give a tip to startups in general uh, is a first tip is. Uh, take yourself serious uh, and also take your business serious. And that means invest in it uh, everything you can. And, and I'm not talking about money, but in your attention. Uh, so I encounter sometimes startup founders that are setting something up, but they're also still doing a job by the sides. And uh, I mean, that's impossible. If you if you uh, have a startup and you're still having a job on site, then you don't have a startup. You're just finding out if you want a startup, right? And um, and that's okay. But um, um, once you go for something, you need to go to it's uh, uh, to the full end. And um, because if you're not taking it seriously, no one will. No, no one. Your buyers will not take it seriously. Your investors will not play, take it seriously. So uh, uh, when you go, go all the way. So that's, I think, an important one in general from um, the space of uh, alternative proteins and new future food. I would say um, it's important to really understand uh, the ecosystem that you're getting into. So understand all the stakeholders, understand uh, what your clients want, but not only your clients, but also the clients of your clients. Really understand where you're going into and what you're doing there. Uh, and don't be afraid to uh, you cannot know everything so don't be afraid to get other people involved in this um, um, uh, and again take it really seriously by investing in that um, um, and, and making sure that you have all the knowledge because I mean when you're small you can still make mistakes right and it's not that big of a deal uh, in comparison with your, when you're already uh, uh, further and you have investors money in there. And, and I mean, then this mistakes can be really expensive. And uh, um, so I would say really uh, understand it. And um, uh, this is also uh, essential because when you don't fully understand it, you cannot also fully understand if your solution to a problem is something that's worth working for, is worth investing in. Now looking ahead, what do you envision for the future? 
of the plant-based industry and how are you preparing your ventures to adopt and thrive in this well evolving landscape you, uh, changing consumer habits is still the most Im- impossible thing right so we cannot change that that easily without massive investments on consumer behavior which there's no uh, uh, common ground for so there's nothing there's no one paying for that so we need to adjust to the fact that it's change is growing slow uh, so we want, uh, on one side, there will be still be a big market for meat mimics, uh, seafood mimics, dairy mimics, uh, because it's in the meantime, when people are not uh, wanting to change that much, you can still grow markets and market awareness on these, uh, on these products. Um, but there's something new coming on the end of the horizon, on the, on, on the other side of the horizon, where you see that there's that meat products, alternative products, don't necessarily need to look like meat. They don't necessarily need to taste like meat or have the exact same nutrition as meat. There is, um, uh, they can just be something else, right? They can just be vegetables or 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 legumes or something like that, and they don't need to taste like it as well. It's just, I mean, falafel is something which is tasty, right? I've never ate falafel. I think, oh, maybe maybe this was chicken, right? Uh, um, uh, it's the the thing is it needs to be tasty and people need to understand what they can do with it. And with falafel, I mean it's it's uh, maybe uh, not the best example because people have been eating falafel in parts of the world for a long, long time. So people who are, do understand how to eat it uh, in some parts of the world. But when you make something completely new, then um, people need some kind of reference. Okay, what I'm going to use this for? How, how do I use this? Uh, and then. Uh, um, especially when something is new, but now, in especially in meat uh, alternatives, you see this new upcoming markets on products that don't necessarily need to meet up to this specific ends of meat. And um, and another thing that I see in the future, and that's also something that we're now more and more f- focusing on with Studio Fava, is um, um, you have. Things like fermentation, precision fermentation, but also uh, submerged fermentation to create biomass. This is something this is going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, uh, also, cell-based is something. I'm not entirely sure yet how that's going to work out, but uh, I do f- believe that it's worth all the investment that's put in there to, to, to see what it can help in uh, creating products that's don't require the consumer adjustments. Uh, um, so these are also really b- major uh, innovation routes that I see uh, in the future happening. Uh, Dennis, in, in this podcast, we have the tradition of that the previous guest leaves a question to the coming guest. So in this case, uh, our previous guest, uh, then, uh, as I told before, she's an entrepreneur in the ingredient also, also with a really focused in the mission of uh, people uh, eating more plants and eating less animals. Uh, she left this question for you. What do you think that we could do to educate the population, the general population, so they will understand that we need to change the way we eat and really drastically reduce the consumption of of meat yeah so i think we cannot wait before people are educated enough for this one so we need 
but we still need to do uh, uh, educate people. But I think we need to make it easier for people um, uh, by better products. Um, and, and people are not eating seaweeds now as a dish, and they will not be eating seaweeds uh, within 50 years as a dish. The same goes for crickets or, or, or insect products. People are not going to do that in the way that's by just serving them. So you need really tasty food products where these products are a part of. Um, and, and also sold to them in a way that they is easily for them to, to combine it. Because when you have a family like me you, uh, and a lot of people, they don't, don't have a lot of time to make their food, to prepare the food, but also to think about how to make their food or what to make. And I'm a cook and, and, and passionate about preparing foods, but um, a lot of people are not. Um, uh, so you need to also understand how they're thinking and how they are supposed to take onto this new protein sources and be let it be a part of their diet because people are just eating in general in the Netherlands seven dishes or ten dishes somewhere in between and they just repeat that and maybe sometimes they have something different but uh, generally it's just the same thing so Monday we eat pasta Tuesday we eat rice and Wednesday we eat potatoes and the other days we also eat potatoes right um, so I think that's you need to understand how is your products going to change something in that or play, play a role in that. And, and, uh, and that's how we should um, convince people, not by telling them that they need to eat more plant proteins, but just to offer them really tasty dishes that are easily adapted in their foods that they eat. Then, Dennis, what is your favorite food product or dish? My favorite food dish? Um, well, I'm a really big fan of, uh, uh, products that are really high on flavor. So I would say, um, um, like products from the Indian cuisine is really, really tasty for me. I really like to cook with that. So, because it's, 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 it's comforty foods. Uh, it's easily to make plant-based because a lot of these products are already plant-based. So I've, I would choose a dish. I would say I would make a dal based on lentils uh, and make it really, really tasty by adding all these different flavors, which the Indian cuisine inhales. So that's, I would say, uh, something like that. And there's nothing in there that you want meat in there, right? It's, it's, it's just good as it is. Nice. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be uh, to have you here. Is there anything important in your uh, opinion that we should have discussed uh, in the podcast that we didn't? Or um, no, I don't think so. I think um, um, we covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe so. Right? So then, uh, I think that this could be a nice moment in case you want to uh, share with the listeners. Where can find about, about more about your your ventures, your startup, or how they can support your mission to know you better? Yeah, how how can they do it? Yeah, so I think um, if there are listeners out there who are um, uh, working in in foods, or um, and that they can support this mission that we go is by really taking uh, product and product quality in plant-based food seriously and ask for experts. So that will be us uh, to help them uh, with uh, creating these best products and creating the best 
product market fits uh, and for the consumers just um, don't listen too much about what people say that you should and shouldn't eat on a nutritional point of view just eat various and tasty foods and eat enough vegetables uh, and while you're at it eat the new coca pulled potos they're vegetables <laughs> and um, yeah that's it I think then that is that we can only support this and uh, support your mission, support your ventures that you're creating because uh, it is working on products that is needed to help transitions, right? The, the transition that we need. And uh, thank you for this insightful conversation. You get on product development, a lot of deep dive in that. And uh, it was great, a great conversation. And thanks also for your honesty. Wish you all the best. Guys, uh, thanks for having me. It was a uh, was a cool chat.